scripture reading tonight is from Psalm 127, verses 3 through 5, if you'd like to turn there. Psalm 127, verses 3 through 5. Behold, children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Please remember this statement. Ours for a while in order to be God's forever. That's what God intended for family. That's what God intended for our children. Ours for a while so as to be God's forever. There will come a time of this we can all be sure when we will stand before Jesus and the Lord will ask us, how did you do with the precious souls that I placed in your care? If there's anything in all the world that will make you want to see into the character of God more, I think it ought to be parenting. And while I did not intend the connection between this morning's sermon and this sermon series... I don't know that there has been an area of my life where I've had more worries and where I have had more fears and where I've had more doubts and when human reasoning tended to go all over the place than the area of parenting. But if I want to see the character of God more, Nothing in all of the world can help me see God's character more than in being a parent. Children are ours for a while so they can be God's forever. They can be with Him forever. Now in discussing this series, Equipping for Life, Parenting and Equipping for Eternity... I'm going to say to those who hear this series what I wish someone had said to me 35 years ago. All right? After a lot of prayer and mistakes, 
I can't speak as an expert except perhaps as an expert in making a lot of mistakes as a parent. But I think that what I'm about to share with you can make all of the difference for not just parents, but for children. I think we get bogged down in looking at trees. And I think we sometimes forget about the forest. And so what I'd like to do is not talk so much about individual matters because one-size-fits-all parenting is a little bit difficult to try to, to make conform to Scripture anyway. Kids are different, aren't they? But if I can give you a big picture focus, I think that it will help us in every area of parenting if we can have a God-centered parenting focus to the overall approach to the forest, that can help us with the trees, with our children and their individual natures. It wasn't that long ago. I know what a lot of you as parents are going through. It wasn't that long ago we went through it. The house is a lot noisier than it used to be if you've got children. Isn't that right? You probably cannot remember when was the last time you went out with your spouse if you've got kids still under your roof. There is no doubt, however, what the highest elevation is in Midland, Odessa. It is the dirty laundry pile at people's house who are parents with children. And when they're little, they can be so cute and precious and adorable. And then they come up to their mom early one morning and with a great big smile, hug her and then look at her and say, early in the morning, Mama, you are ugly. (laughs) Words every mom wants to hear when she's been up for just a little while with the little ones. You are very, very ugly. And when your dad, and they come up to you with a big smile on their face, and they say something like this, Daddy, your breath smells like a dog's. And they mean well. But children will cause you to either see more of the heart of God or you'll get lost. And by that I mean you will feel constantly overwhelmed, often exhausted, and definitely underappreciated. If that's how you find yourself at least sometimes feeling overwhelmed, exhausted, and maybe underappreciated, this series is for you. Here's what I've done. In praying about and studying for this series for some time, I've come up with 12 words, 12 concepts, that really give a God-centered framework for godly parenting. 
And over the next four Sunday nights, Lord willing, what I would like to do is share with you three of those concepts each time we meet for a total of 12. Now you might want to think about that. Those of you that have gone through parenting and maybe your grandparents or great-grandparents, what are 12 concepts or words that you might want to stress or emphasize to parents today so that they can be God-centered, godly parents that help their family get home? What words might you choose? Let me give you a definition of parenting. Let me give you a definition of God-centered parenting. And this consists of several parts. A journey together. A journey together. To know, love, and obey God. What is parenting? Parenting is a journey together to intentionally know and love and obey God. But third, think about parenting in this vein, in this light. Both as parents and as children. It's a journey together to know, to love, and obey God. Both as parents and as children. Don't sacrifice your walk with God in order to try to train your child to have a walk with God. It never works. Don't sacrifice the value and preciousness of your marriage in order to raise your kids. It doesn't work well. So together as parents, together with the kids. Number four, what does it mean To really have God-centered parenting emphasis, it means that there's this journey together that we want to make to know, love, and obey God as parents and as children, trusting in the Lord to conform each one of us more to His image. Trusting in the Lord to conform each one of us more to His image. So mom and dad look more like Jesus in the way they speak, in the way that they think, in the way that they act. Christ in you, the hope of glory, Colossians 1.27. Christ lives in me, Galatians 2 and verse 20. But that also is a spirit that is developed in children where they 
are encouraged to be transformed by our Lord more to the image of Jesus. Romans 8, 29. And 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 18. All to the praise and glory of God. Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. I am more and more convinced that parents don't need so much, a lot of special uh, rules for how to raise your kids. They need a biblical God-based framework to look at parenting, period, and that will help them in the specifics. And certainly the specifics do arise and they have their place. But if we lose sight of the framework and the foundation, we're not going to handle specifics very well. Twelve words, twelve concepts. Here are three. Concept number one, stewardship. Stewardship. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, it is required of stewards that they first be faithful, trustworthy, dependable. The passage read earlier by Brother Allen, Psalm 127, 3-5, that children are a heritage of the Lord. God gives good gifts. James 1, 17. And among those good gifts that God gives are children. But not only are children a gracious gift of God, they are a sacred trust put in our care And that is why the terminology of Psalm 127, 3-5 speaks of children as arrows so that they can go the straight way. In loving and knowing and obeying God. Now, stewardship. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Psalm 24 and verse 1. There is not a square inch in this world where God doesn't say, Mine. This ends up being often a problem with parents. Because parents confuse stewardship with ownership. They're my children. You ever found yourself parents saying that? In a very legitimate sense, they are, but in an even more special sense, no. They are God's, and God has placed those children in your care for a while. You see, ownership... An ownership mentality can be so far amiss from biblical stewardship 
Because often parents will find their identity, meaning, and purpose in life in their kids when they ought to find their identity, meaning, and purpose in life in their God. I want to tell you, a formula for disaster, and I love little ones, but a formula for disaster is to turn that small child into an idol. And the reason why is you know that you will be disappointed. And yet we were made in the image of God. Genesis 1, 26 through 28. And the idea is this. As parents, we are people who sin no matter how faithful we are to God. Dealing with people who sin or soon to be sinners. Children who have yet to reach the age of accountability. It's a stewardship. How will we manage what has been placed in our trust? The ownership mentality tends to look at children more as as trophies rather than as blessings and gifts. The love that is exercised when you have the ownership mentality often is conditional rather than the unconditional love of God. In other words, if you do so well academically, if you're really a good athlete, and if you're a chip off the old block and conform to what I want you to be, how unlike God who loves us in spite of ourselves. Amen? The owner mentality. That child is not yours in a sense. That child belongs to God. In Genesis chapter 4 and verse 1, whenever Adam and Eve had their first child, Eve said, we will call his name Cain, Cain because I have gotten a man-child from the Lord. A gift from God. A sacred trust. Now I would to God that people everywhere would look at children as a gift from God and as a sacred trust committed to their care. But I know this, Christians should. The first word is stewardship. And though the relationship changes as the years go by, I find that there's still a managing of a relationship with children that have married and now have their own families. And one's willingness to adjust to these relationships in a God-honoring way cannot be emphasized enough. A stewardship. Wayland, just wait till one of those cute girls of yours comes home with some guy that you're not so sure about. 
you'll be talking to mom and dad about it. And hopefully they'll come home with just the right person. And that's the type of thing that parents pray about from a very early point with their children. You see, when you understand that parenting is a stewardship, that leads me to a second character quality. A big picture. A God-centered view of parenting. The second concept is grace. Grace. Every parent needs grace. God's grace. Think about that first idea, stewardship. God gives good gifts. And you can term this one, God gives graciously. He gives to people who don't merit it, who don't deserve it, but He gives grace. He's the God of all grace, 1 Peter 5, verses 10 through 12. He is the God that we can know is gracious, 1 Peter 2, 2 and 3. His grace is sufficient for us, even in parenting, 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 9. His grace is super abundant to us. You know, a lot of people are going to miss this point. Mike, you're talking about theology and God and parenting. What does theology and God have to do with parenting? That's my whole point. Everything. Everything. God-centered parenting means that we know that child is a gift and a sacred trust from God to us. And grace helps us realize that we cannot do it on our own. Remember James and John in Matthew 20, verse 22? There's this discussion going on among the disciples. Who's the greatest? And sometimes we think we have a handle on this parenting thing. And maybe like James and John, when Jesus asked them the question, Are you able? Are you able to drink the cup that I'm going to drink from? And they say with no hesitation, it seems, we are able. Able parents are full of pride and self-sufficiency. When what able parents need is to realize... They need grace. We do. The riches of God's grace, Ephesians 2 and verse 7. What grace will do is this. Grace will make a parent's heart more tender. Grace will make a a parent's heart more tender. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Ephesians 4.32, grace, an understanding of God's grace, will make our hearts more tender as parents. Think about how many 
children, have parents in this world that do not understand the meaning of the word grace and they are graceless. What a tragedy to grow up in a home like that. Next. Grace will cause parents to recognize their weaknesses and deficiencies. Grace will help parents recognize their weaknesses and deficiencies. As I go back and think about my time as a father, and maybe some of you dads will relate, I can't count the times I talked to my children about being more patient when I was often impatient as I spoke with them about being patient. When I talked to children about fussing and fighting among themselves when I had an issue with anger myself. When I talked to the children about not being full of themselves and big-headed about something they did particularly well when I struggled with the very same matters. And as they grew older, they could see those things. Grace helps us to acknowledge our weaknesses and deficiencies as parents and as people. It's hard to live under the roof of a parent who is so graceless they can never acknowledge their own mistakes. You ever lived in a home like that? Again... Grace helps parents with the matter of regret. I knew when I preached this series, there's going to be some people that came up and would say something like this. If only I had heard what you're talking about sooner, Mike. What if I I, I did these things and now I've got such regret over how I conducted myself? The answer to that for every parent is still found in the grace of God. Because I don't think a person can be a parent without having some regret at some point. Do you? And the only way we can deal with that is learning more about God's character and grace. Stewardship, gracious words, gracious acts, gracious thoughts. Ah, we're able. No, we're not. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. We are not able. Nothing should make that more evident than the fact that Jesus came down. God became flesh, incarnate. God went to the cross and God rose from the dead. Jesus. 
And what that says to us, Adam, if it says anything, is that no matter how hard we try, by willpower alone, we're not going to get it done. Because lasting change does not occur without relying on God who gives and who gives graciously. Concept number three. Humility. Humility. A parent has got to learn that there are things that a parent cannot do. One of the main things about parenting is we learn that there are things that we cannot do. We cannot bring lasting, positive life change to our child. God can as they yield to Him. Sometimes we try to. What do you mean that we can't bring lasting, positive life change? I mean that parenting is about working with God. And he chooses to incorporate parents in the process of bringing these little ones up to know, love, and obey him. And while parents are a vital part, parents lack the power to bring vital life change, lasting positive life change, into their own lives as well as the lives of their kids. Now, that doesn't mean we don't try sometimes. Three main power tools. Some guys like using power tools. Some guys like me, I don't know one power tool from another. But I have a lot of knowledge about these particular power tools because it's sometimes the way I tried with my children to get them to have positive, lasting life change. The first power tool is fear. I'm going to beat you within an inch of your life. Parent ever said anything like that? I suspect nearly all of us have. If you do that, you are going to regret it. And see really what that does. It makes the matter about them, and you. And what I wish I'd have done so much more was make the matter about them and God. Because fear can work for a while. God's not given us a spirit of timidity, 2 Timothy 1.7. Perfect love cast out fear, 1 John 4.18. And we recognize this, and yet we can use fear as a motivator in the sense that ideally, Lynn, it has to do with reverence for God and the desire to honor your father and mother. But it can quickly be just a power tool to try to have positive, lasting change that doesn't really involve one's heart. And the problem with fear is this. 
I now look up to virtually everyone in my home. I've looked up to Cherie for years now since I lost my hair. David is 6'1", and his dad is 5'9 half. If Karen's wearing heels, I'm looking up to her too. And fear tends to lose its effect over time, doesn't it? Another power tool sometimes used. Guilt and shame. Guilt and shame. I can't believe that you did that. I would never do that. No child of mine should ever do that. And I'm not saying that children shouldn't feel ashamed at times and guilt. But often the guilt or shame is, is, is depicted by a parent as how it affects us. It makes me ashamed. Really what we need to do is, again, help them to sincerely think about behavior and how it impacts God. And this growing awareness that sin at its heart ultimately is against God. Some parents are practically abusive if they're not in the way that they can shame and guilt someone. A child. See how learning more about God and His character ought to impact the way that we parent. Again, think about this particular power tool with me. Manipulation. Mind games. We may no longer physically have ability to use power of control over children, but we can play mind games and manipulate in ways that are not godly, that are not fair. Humility will cause us to pray on a regular basis, God, I cannot do this on my own. I am thankful for my wife, my spouse, and that we can do this together, but we don't want to take one step as parents without your approval. And help us not to use mind games and manipulation and help us not to use guilt trip and shaming help us not to use power moves and coercion but help us to honor you and to see our children as gifts and a sacred trust I think these three concepts can go a long way to helping all parents who can hear this lesson be more God-centered. Stewardship, 
Stewardship, grace, humility. Years ago, I think if someone would have asked me what, what I, I needed to do to ensure uh, a faithful family, I would have talked with them about teaching the truth. I still believe that. But I believe that the idea of modeling the truth carries greater weight. He that says he abides in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. 1 John 2, 6. A stewardship. Grace to help. When we humble ourselves and see that God simply allows us to be part of the process of bringing up these little ones. It's about Him, not so much about you or me. It's about Him and how your child relates to Him. We can help there. I appreciate your time. And these matters of the heart, I think, can be helpful to everyone. I pray so. And over the next few weeks, and you can see if you'd like how well your words correspond to the ones that I have chosen And I thought about them a lot. But 12 words that can give parents a God-centered framework for parenting every day and it will help change your attitude on those days that you feel beat down and it's really been tough. A sacred trust, grace, humility. We're about to stand and sing our song of encouragement. Maybe there's an individual here that needs to come to Jesus through faith, repentance, and baptism. You can come to the Lord and have your sins washed away. God waits for you. And for those of us that are Christians, it may be that we have lacked a God-centeredness in our lives as parents or in our marriages or even in the very core of our being. Other things have gotten in the way. Aren't you glad that we have an opportunity to make things right? I know I am. May God bless us to that end. Let's stand and sing.